Hi there, welcome to Glenlyden Baptist Church's podcast network. We're glad you can join us today. If you'd like more information on the church, please visit us on our website, www.gebc.org.nz. We hope you enjoy the pod. Do you remember those, um, that moment or those moments that we have in life where we know, looking back, that this is when it changed? This is when something changed. It, it might be a brief uh, moment, it might be an instant, or it might be this collection of, of time where we look back and goes, everything before that moment was different. Do you know the moments I'm talking about? Does anyone have one of those moments? I see a few nods. I remember my moment. Because I remember lying in that hooker's arms. Our legs were twisted around each other, and I'm looking up at the sky. How did I get here? How did this happen? How did I end up like this? It was June 2007, and I just finished my last exam at chef school. Uh, it was profiteroles and chocolate eclairs we made that day. And to say that I had nailed it would be true, but they still weren't as good as mum's chocolate eclairs. So I got this good mark, but I was still not satisfied. And it was time to celebrate. We were going to go and celebrate. But I just had this one problem that I had to do first because I was coaching a rugby team. And for some stupid reason that day, I decided to run with the boys. And I popped off the back of the ruck, and our hooker, young Ethan Baber, wraps me up, twists his legs around me, spins me to the ground, crack! Everything went silent for me, and I was lying on the ground, looking up at the sky. What just happened? The silence was interrupted by Zach, my, my very good friend and assistant coach. He's running over to me. He's, dude, 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 you just broke your leg. I knew that. I could feel that. I heard that. But before I had the chance to let him know that you're very astute, Zach, and well done on your intelligence, Ethan jumps in. Well, not jumps in. He was still lying with me. And it's like, no, 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 no. He, that's a ligament. I heard it pop out. I heard it pop. And so there's this argument about what happens to me. And thankfully, someone else is like, we should probably call an ambulance. And so an ambulance was called. Practice was stopped. And I'm looking up into the air. I've just finished my last exam. I'm meant to be starting full-time chefing tomorrow. Life was meant to start. And here I am, lying on my back with a broken leg. Zach was right. Um, the x-rays confirmed that at hospital, but about 10 minutes after they came out and said, yes, your leg's broken, the, the person who's in charge comes out and goes, oh, we just need to x-ray you one more time. Something looks a little bit funny on your leg, and, and so I'll get wheeled back in, and they're like, yeah, your ligaments popped down, we, we can't see it at the moment. Um, and so that's wonderful, and so I, I have surgery, and they find my ligament, they chuck a screw in it, they put a plate in my leg, and say, no walking. For, for a while. And so my life, which was meant to start, was stopped. But life kept going on. I couldn't work. I shouldn't drive. But the insurance company didn't know that I still did. It was an automatic, so it was okay. I could keep going to church and I could keep being part of a youth group. And, and that was good because it gave me something to do. And about four weeks into this, uh, this journey of 
boredom, really. Uh, one of the people from our church said they'd organized this person with a gift of prophecy to come and speak to our youth leaders and, and youth parents. And so they picked me up, which was wonderful, and, and I, I, was th- I was excited for this. I haven't experienced much of this before. Um, and it was funny because the, the person they, that came with the gift of prophecy was actually the pastor from the church I grew up in when I was zero to five in South Auckland. It was exciting to see him. And anyway, he's, he's there sharing. There's about 25 of us. And he's sharing. Um, he's talking about God's gifts. He's talking about the gifts of the Spirit and how, how he hears from God and how he and God team up to bring messages to people. And he's sharing this message. And then he just starts staring at one of the young ladies. And he stops his message and starts prophesying. And, and it was cool. It was exciting. And th- then he gets back into it and he, he keeps on teaching us. Then he stops and looks at one of the guys. And he starts prophesying. And like this guy, he's not, he's not one of us. He wasn't from around here. He didn't know these people. And he was getting it right. It must have been God, right? Or he'd been sneaking into our DMs and listening to our conversations. But it must have been God. And he finishes his message and he... He looks at the person, at kind of the, the next person around, and he just starts talking to him, saying what God's saying to him, saying who God says he is, and, and saying what's going to happen in his future. And then he goes to the next person and just keeps the saying. God was speaking to us this night through this, this man who had the gift of prophecy. And about probably a third of the way around the room, I zone out, right? Well, I, I, I zone out of what he's saying because I'm getting so excited because I know I know when it gets to my turn that God is going to say, Shannon, get up and walk. I was so excited. I was so convinced. And, and so he's coming around the circle, and, and I'm about two-thirds way around. I'm like, come on, hurry up, man. Hurry up. There's going to be a glorious moment. Come on. And, and I'm getting quite emotional, right? And then he finally gets to me. And this is my moment. This is God's moment. This is my moment. And he looks at me, and he says, Shannon, God will never let you go. What? That's not what you're meant to say to me. You're meant to say to me, Shannon, get up and walk. And then he moved on. He just moved on to the next person. I'm still sitting here. What is going on? And then I realized, ah, this is where I need to use the gift of interpretation. Because this is one of the spiritual gifts, the gift of interpretation. And, 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 and God will never let you go. So when I get up and walk, he'll hold on. To, I've got it. Nailed it. And so I was, I was very excited again. And, and I, I whisper it to the person next to me. And Cool, bro. Uh, and, and, and then at the end of the night, uh, the pastor comes over me because I was looking a little bit emotional. The, the youth pastor goes, what's, what's going on? I said, this is, this is what's going to happen. I'm absolutely convinced about this. And he goes, okay, well, we'll, we'll go and talk to uh, Alec, who's the, who's the prophet. And, and I bum shuffle over because it's not time yet. It's not time. Not everyone's looking at me, you know. And, and I, I tell him what's going to happen. And he looks at me. And I look at him. And he looks at me. And you know that? You know that look that pastors develop over many years? The one of compassion, but you're an idiot. Like, I don't have that yet. I've got the second part down well, but just the compassion. Anyway, anyway, he looks at me. And I said, will you pray for me? Will you pray that I can walk around the room? And so now, now there is a crowd. Because God needs a crowd to act, you know. Everyone's listening. And so he prays for me. And, and I get so excited. And, and, and I stand up and, and I put the crutches down. And there's a little coffee table. 
and I take a step on my good leg, and I've got faith, and I take a step, and I take a step, and I take a step, and I walk around this coffee table, and it was awesome. It was so cool, and, and, and everyone was stoked. And the, the youth pastor says, right, dude, I will pick you up tomorrow morning. We will take you uh, to the hospital for x-ray to confirm, um, and we will be able to tell everyone what has happened. And I wake up the next morning in the worst pain I have ever experienced. I text Doug and say, dude, we ain't going anywhere. I get mum to get me some of the like, excess tramadol from the, from the cupboard because I needed it. What was God doing? Hadn't he heard me? Hadn't I heard him? A few weeks later, I have my regular appointment, uh, the, the regular checkup, you know. Um, this, was the, this was a cast check, and it was also meant to be an x-ray uh, check, but I didn't get the x-ray done. They looked at the cast and seen that it had been uh, walked on, and they just changed the cast, and they said, Please remember that there is a screw through your ankle. And this screw, it can't really take more than 10 kgs of pressure. Now, back then, I was much more sizable now, but even now, if I stood on a leg, I assume there's going to be more than 10 kgs of pressure. And if the screw breaks, it's going to be really hard to get out. And I have another moment. How did I get here? How did this happen? What, what's this going to be like in six more weeks when I have the next appointment? Six more weeks of staying off my legs, six more weeks of staying home, six more le- weeks of living inside my own head thinking, how stupid are you, Shannon? Didn't you hear God? Didn't he hear me? What's going on? And six weeks passes, and so it's time for the operation. And they gas me up. They've asked me if I want to keep the screw when it comes out, and I go, yeah, I'll keep all of it, and I'll keep the many pieces. And as I'm being wheeled to the room, I just got that voice in my head again, God will never let you go. And surgery happens, and I wake back up in my room, and I'm looking around, and I'm still a little groggy, and I see this little capsule beside my bed with the screw in it. That is dead straight not a bender in it, and the voice came back, God will never let you go. In spite of my stupidity, in spite of my, hey God, this is what you're going to do, in spite of me thinking I know best, and I know best what he needs to say to me, this was the moment that confirmed for me that he is who he says he is, that his promises are true, that his words are true, and that I can have hope and trust in Him. And it's that moment that I get to look back to and remember those words. And I remember that screw. That's why I keep it, because there's comfort in remembering the story of where God's words came through in spite of me, in spite of the circumstances. And there's great comfort in that for me, because in spite of what life has thrown at me, I can, I can look back and see that God had never let me go. And while I live in the midst of what life is throwing at me, I can, I can hold to that God will never let me go. 
And I can have great confidence that in the future, that no matter what life throws at me, that God will never let me go. All through scriptures, we see these stories where God says something, where God promises something, where people respond either stupidly like me or or positively like the good people, and where God acts and people respond. They get a moment where God reveals who they are, uh, where God reveals who He is, sorry, and people respond. I, th- I think of the story of Joseph and his brothers, where Joseph is, is, is thrown into a well. Because his brothers were jealous. And God uses that story for greatness when there's a famine that could have wiped out God's people. But God's used this for good. And he shows who he is. I think of the story of Moses leading his people out of Egypt. When the people were like, no, take us back. At least we had houses. And God did something miraculous. And, and they crossed the Red Sea. And they made an altar to celebrate what God had done. They remembered. And then all through the wilderness stories, we'll know those stories of Moses. And if you don't, I encourage you to read Exodus over a long period of time and ask people to help you interpret some of it. Because there's some crazy stuff in it. But, but they make altar after altar. They remember, they keep the story of God acting in their lives alive. And, and, and if you were here last year, you'll remember the, the Joshua series. Time after time, God acts. The people remember who he says he is. Promise after promise fulfilled. Story after story collected. Story after story shared and passed down. The victories that God's people were able to be part of, they marked them with altars, they worshipped, they shared the stories. They marked them so that they could remember and the younger people could remember and the generations could remember that this is what God did at this moment. This is when we doubted. This is when we weren't sure that we would survive. This is when we couldn't do it alone, but God could. And they marked all these stories. And they also held to this promise that that God said way back at the beginning that there is going to be someone who comes and crushes the head of the enemy. Way back in Genesis, he's pointing forward to a time. But this hasn't happened yet in the Old Testament. He's promised Abraham that salvation for the world will come through his people. But that hasn't happened yet. And these people are are, are, are getting these stories, collecting these stories of God being God. God fulfilling his promises. And so they get to live in a way knowing that the promises that he hasn't fulfilled yet, he will fulfill because he keeps on fulfilling these other ones. And there's this promise of Jesus. This promise of Jesus that he promised from the beginning. The Christ. The one who would crush the enemy's head. The one we would find our hope in, and he came, and he showed us how to live. He turned water into wine, 
as a picture of the future kingdom that he would bring. This isn't a story about wine as much as six-year-old Shannon wanted it to be. This is a story that life is better when we are in the presence of God. When Jesus is in our life and part of our life and being the one who provides what we need, life is better. It's not easier, but it's better. Everyone brings out the choice wine first and then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink. But you have saved the best till now. This is what the, the master says in the story. This is the opposite, I think, of what we show the world, right? Or at least how the world kind of interprets what happens when someone becomes a Christian. I, I remember hearing young people all the time, stories at school, why would you be a Christian? Why would you go to church? Why would you follow Jesus? It's all rules and no fun. Maybe the way we've portrayed it, we've got the wine around the wrong way. Because the best of life is once you have Jesus in your life. Maybe we need to take back the narrative and tell the stories more of God's active works of love in our lives so that our community gets to see a hope being lived out. Because we're a community in here that says we find our hope in Christ. We say it every week. We find our hope in Christ. But are we a community that lives out our hope in Christ so that those who don't know Jesus yet want to experience that hope? The best part of life is once we have Jesus in it. And when he provides our new wine, our place in his kingdom, that's our hope. I think of the story of John the Baptist. He's in prison. He's asking his followers, go and ask Jesus, are you the one? Are you the one? Are you a reason enough for me to end up in here? And Jesus, Jesus sent his messengers back. Go, go back and report to John what you see and what you hear. The blind receive sight. The lame walk. Those who have leprosy are cleansed. The deaf hear. The dead are raised. And the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. Jesus let him know, yes, John, I am the one. I am the one that it is worth it for. You could still have hope in spite of your circumstances, in spite of being in the depths of despair in prison. I am the one. Jesus is true. And if the prophecies are being fulfilled, then he can have comfort that the future prophecies will be fulfilled. And he made these other promises to disciples and us. He told us, he, he says it in Scripture, for God so loves the world. And he promises us that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. He tells his disciples, I'm going back to my Father to create a place for you. He promises the disciples that he will be with them until the end of the age. And he ascends so Holy Spirit can come and guide them and guide us. Scripture is full of promises from God that he has fulfilled. And our lives are full of promises that are being fulfilled. And Scripture has a whole load of promises that aren't yet fulfilled. But because of what he's done, 
because of what he's doing, we can live in hope. Because he's done it before. He's done it from the beginning. And he invites us to live a life with him so we get to be a part of his big story. While he gives us those little glimpses of him or big glimpses of him to be part of our story. And like the people in the Old Testament who, who get the stories and then mark the stories and share the stories and pass the stories down, we need to be people like that who mark the stories, who share our stories and pass our stories down. By sharing who God is and what he has done for us will build hope for this community. By sharing who God is and what he has done for us will build hope for the community not yet part of us. That's how we be people of hope. That's how we be people that put our hope in Christ. Know the past. Share our present. And believe for the future that he is walking with you towards. We put our hope in Christ, knowing that whether our world is growing great or whether we're in the pits of despair, he has promised to be with us, that he's preparing a place in eternity for us, and that if we believe in him, we spend eternal life with God. That's how we have our hope in Christ. Find those life-changing moments with him. Share the stories, mark the stories, and encourage each other to live those stories. Let's pray. Jesus, we, we want to see more of you in our lives. We want to see more of, of Holy Spirit acting in us and through us so that your kingdom continues to grow, so that your kingdom continues to move forward. God, let us be a people that, that so often see you working in our lives, that people are drawn. And God, let us be people that are so excited by you working in our lives that we go out. And we share you with people who don't know you yet. We share your love with people who don't know that you love them yet. We share your future with people that don't even know they have a future. God, you have changed our lives. And you invite us generously invite us to be part of changing others. Help us to take up that invitation. Give us boldness, give us courage, give us grace, give us compassion, give us love. So much love that we can't help but share it. And help us be people that live out that we've found our hope in you as you transform us through your spirit and empower us to change the world. Amen. Thanks again for joining with us today. 
If you'd like to know more information on the church or reach out to one of the pastors, please visit our website www.gebc.org.nz. Hope you have a great day.